On this episode of Animation Deliberation, we are returning to our roots. We're going back to Young Justice. That's right, Young Justice Season 3, subtitled Outsiders. Myself and my regular co-host, Suhair Ali, are going to get right into that after some ads we have no control over. When you're at Walt Disney World Resort for the world's most magical celebration, every moment is amazing and the memories last a lifetime. Because when you celebrate with us, nothing could be more magical. Stay near the magic. Book your theme park tickets and get hotel rates from $94 per night plus tax at DisneySpringsHotels.com slash 50. Rates based on availability. Blockout dates may apply. See website for details. What's up, Animation Deliberation listeners? Jay Scotty here with a quick little side note. Um, as you're listening, you will notice that we're making some dated references, full transparency. This episode was recorded back in early August, so we'll make references to not knowing when Young Justice Season 4 is actually... Um, a, the release date has been announced and whatnot, so we know that's October 21st. Uh, so hopefully it's not too frustrating as you're listening, but just wanted to make you aware. So thanks for tuning in, and back to the show. Sing along if you know the words. A one, two, three, it's time for animation, deliberation. A conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. All right, all right. Welcome back to Animation Deliberation. My name is Jay Scotty, but for this episode, you can call me Pony Boy because we're talking outsiders. Not that outsiders. <laughs> Sorry for that very dated reference. I'll be curious to see. Who all out there got that reference to the outsiders? But now we're talking Young Justice season three. I'm Jay Scotty St. Clair, and I got with me Zuhair Ali. What's going on, Zuhair? How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, speaking of dating things, it's been so long since we talked about the show. It's kind of uh, giving some old justice. <laughs> ah, ah, I like what you did there. We're so lame. <laughs> well, I've, you know, Young Justice is kind of where we got started with this show. I, I've talked about it before. This podcast was born out of a simple conversation of you recommending Young Justice to me. So it's it's really nice to kind of become be able to come full circle as we've taken on more and more shows and had guests appear on the show and whatnot. It's just kind of nice to have a conversation with you uh, about a show that we both love so much. And uh, I got to say, the ante has continued to be ratcheted up. We got season one you know had some big swings and tugged at my heartstrings in some ways season mm -hmm. two continued to do that even more so we've only watched the first six episodes i i, sh I should have uh, mentioned that up the top we are covering the first six episodes episodes one through six of young justice season three uh with that said these first six episodes already are indicating to me how dark a season this is going to be yeah and um we we started doing this because there is a season four coming out this year, even though we haven't gotten a date for it. But mm -hmm. based off of like trends, when DC Universe started, they started off with season one of Titans and then they did season four, season three mm -hmm. of Young Justice right after that. Excuse me. And mm -hmm. now we have a date for Titans, which is in late August. So maybe that means that we're going to have a date after that kicks in for Young Justice Season 4, meaning we'll be right about on track on finishing our coverage of this by the time we have some Sweet. new content to watch every week. Awesome. Awesome. 
I, I have to admit it wasn't entirely planned that way, but I'm glad it's working out that way. <laughs> yeah, we're just trying to we're trying to find our mojo. We're still pretty much a baby podcast. Yeah, yeah, we're getting there, though. We're getting there. So uh, before we dive into like the major plot points and the characters and whatnot, I did want to address just in terms of like this being a, a darker season. The opening intro to the show, it it's changed every single time and we get the new subtitles. So we had, you know, Young Justice season one, Young Justice season two was subtitled Invasion. And this is Outsiders and everything from the graphics, you know, seeing planet Earth first. And then it kind of you get the DNA strand that comes across and it shifts into the planet of Apocalypse and the music. It is genuinely creepy, like just actually just thinking about it right now has given me goosebumps. It's it's really effective and, and well done. Yeah, especially after the cliffhanger that we got at the end of last season, like all we saw was Vandal Savage and Darkseid shaking hands. And then for mm-hmm. this opener to start off with Apocalypse being in the spotlight really gave that that essence of like, we just know how ominous Darkseid is. And if sure. his planet is going to be in just the opener and give me this much chills, Serious things are about to happen. And also, this is the first season that wasn't on Cartoon Network. They actually debuted on DC Universe before that shifted over to HBO Max. And this was the first season that didn't have a rating on it. So they mm. were allowed, they were, they opened the doors. Like they could go as dark, as gory, as uh, uncensored as they wanted to go in the season. Yeah. And, and they wasted no time with it. But, uh, We'll we'll get into that. We'll get into that. So, let's uh, let's talk about the major plot points and the and the things that took you took place during these. Excuse me, these first six episodes. So, the season kind of almost picks up right where the last one left off in terms of you know seeing the the new team kind of forming around Aquaman and him giving them their marching orders. I remember Alpha Squad was going to Mars to help. Uh, bars uh our green beetle there but as much as it, it's picking up right where it left off there we get a, a pretty quick time jump to the future where aqua or yeah aqua lad aka now he's aquaman has been basically serving as co-chair of the justice league with wonder woman and there's some pretty pretty big shakeups to this scene but I, I will just say uh for the character of of aqua lad and now aquaman He's been a through line for the season so far, but he really only plays a part in, in, in this scene for this season. So I'll be interested to see how he gets brought back into the fold or if he does get brought back into the fold. Because so far, the show has done a great job of, you know, making you get really endeared to these characters. But then it, it does a good job of kind of shifting them to the background and bringing other characters to the forefront. But uh, so far, it seems like the only really returning characters we're focusing on in, in any way is uh, Dick Grayson, Nightwing, McGann, Morse, aka Martian, Miss Martian, and then of course Connor, Superboy. The rest of them, I, we obviously we see you know some older characters here and there, but oh, I feel like and these Artemis. Are the, oh, Artemis as well. Yeah, forgive me. Aka yeah. Tigress. Yeah. But anyway, uh, as, as far as the big shakeups that I was alluding to, basically we have the, the Justice League disbanded. So 
I can't remember who brings it up, but we in the end of the last season, we had Lex Luthor be appointed to a pretty significant position in the United Nations. And from here, he's basically just been making it more and more difficult uh, for the Justice League to conduct their operations. I remember uh, on the last two seasons, we were talking about all the similarities between Young Justice and the MCU. This is yes. totally Sokovia Accords right here. This is like what would have happened if all of them signed. Yes, yes. Good call. Good call. And I guess I am getting just a little bit ahead of myself. I guess it's worth mentioning that before we get the scene in the in the Hall of Justice in the Watchtower, we did get a scene on Rand where the Justice League, we get to see, you know, Superman. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head who all was there, but uh, they are fighting metahumans on the planet of Rand. And Black Lightning actually ends up killing one with a pretty, you know, subtle shock based on his calculations, but it actually kills this metahuman who we find out was actually just like a, I think, 12, 14 year old girl with like a heart condition. Mm-hmm. So pretty tragic there. And it definitely is a major thrust for Black Lightning. It's really Batman and Green Arrow that kind of do this ousting. It feels like kind of almost like a coup. Um, like Canary mentions the fact that she knows Green Arrow didn't clue her in on it because he knew that he she wouldn't participate in blindsiding Calder like that. But for Jefferson, Black Lightning, he quits all on his own just because he's dealing with the the heavy trauma of having killed a a young girl, and we know that he is actually the father of two young girls. So. Yeah. What what did you think about this this whole scene? I mean, you compared it to the Soviet Accords, which is incredibly uh, appropriate, I would say. But you know, you said this is your second time watching. You you did your first watching. Can you can you recall at all like what you what you kind of like felt at that point, or even on this on this fresh watch? Yeah, it was just one of those things where after season two, this show was canceled. So we weren't sure if it was ever going to come back, if it was going to be any good when it would happen. So when it did happen, obviously the expectations were super high. And I feel like this first episode really delivered on it with the intensity of there being a two year gap and the justice league still having to fight for their reputation after the trials that they had to go through in the last season Hmm. for them to still be having to deal with that and deal with the ramifications was kind of like, that was a wow thing to start off with. And then for them to go in the watchtower and see the the shift in power, wondering what was up with Aquaman, like where's Arthur Curry? Why is Calderon taking over? You know, right. the big questions like that. Um, you see that uh, Tim Drake is a lot older. Um, Static mm. Shock is a part of the team now. Um, what was the other big one? Uh, oh, Tim and Wonder Girl were dating. That was cute. Oh, yeah. And then you yeah. see um, Impulse donning the full Kid Flash look. Right. So there was a lot of things that were like, you know, you see a lot of development, a lot of growth between the characters, like just within that opening scene of the hall. But then for them mm-hmm. to go in and see Calderon speak up to the Justice League was really cool because he was a teenager, um, you know, trying to set up his own team under them for the longest time. But it was kind of a yeah. big deal of them. You know, it was this came out maybe two years after Captain America Civil War. So there was mm. a lot of comparison going on over there. And that was a big thing of seeing Luth, Luth, blah, 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 Lex Luthor having control over the situation, them not being able to do humanitarian 
uh, missions, the Justice League being so big and such a big organization that people look up to for hope and for them to not be able to operate as efficiently as they know that they're capable of between the United Nations on Earth and then the Global Council with all the stuff that was going on. So it was just like, it was very heartbreaking from the start to see the people that we watch like you know fight for humanity every day to be able to be struggling this much and me loving batman of course i loved when he's he was trying to make the argument first he wasn't just straight up trying to leave he was like i want you guys to understand my point you get it see my perspective by the way we're out of here um so you know in batman fashion of course he already had it planned in this and that but he tried making it like as um, I don't say the word respectful. Inclusive. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. He was trying to be like as um considerate as he could, but you know he's right. It's like it is about the mission, and the Justice League isn't fulfilling sure. his mission. Therefore, he has to take other routes to do that. And I felt bad for Wonder Girl because Tim Drake knew about it all along too, and he was like, "All right, bye." Um, and then you see Jefferson trying to come in and that's where he was just kind of like, no, it's a democracy in the watchtower. I don't want to be under your dictatorship. I don't want to be under Batman Incorporated. I was like, whoa, like you're not wrong, but whoa. Uh, so it was, it was just a lot of stuff to hit a viewer with right off the bat and then transitioning into Dick Grace and still like not being part of a team, just trying to do things on his own because he doesn't want to lose people anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that actually, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here. I feel like I've been doing that a lot this episode. But one of the things you said about Batman just wanting to accomplish the mission did echo another one of the through lines for the season for me. And it's in context to the character of Dick Grayson. He's got that moment with Will Harper later on where, you know, he talks about what the mission was and, you know, taking on strays, aka outsiders, if you will, how that wasn't initially the mission, but he gets reminded that, you know, the mission evolves and the mission is whatever the mission becomes. So yeah, I, I appreciate that. Um, symmetry, repetition, rhythm, poetry there. What, what have you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, now William Harper even says like, you need someone to keep you straight. You need someone to keep you in line because there's not too many people over here now anymore that understand how you actually work. Yeah. So uh, do we, I know we got a full list of everybody that's basically disbanded. So it was Batman and all of his underlings. And then Green Arrow. Plastic Man. Uh, I think there was a guy named Hardware that I'm not super yep. familiar with. And I feel like there was one more that I'm not recalling off the top of my head. Uh, Katana katana right right and, and then was there cool was arrow her. wet oh right 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 yeah yeah and then there was a i'm looking at a list right now but it's kind of different there's orphan um you mentioned hardware and then um batwoman is oh, somebody batwoman who was, was on that list that we had never seen before that's who i was forgetting yeah yeah that's who it was okay well, then uh, we talk about how considerate, I guess, Batman tried to be in light of the situation. But right right after then, when they're all exiting, you know, the younger members of the team that weren't privy to that mission, they're all just kind of like wondering what's going on. And when they see 
Jefferson and his uh, civilian clothes in the first place. But then he has that confrontation with Batman where Batman basically tries to recruit him. And he says, no, I don't want to be a part of Batman Incorporated. I don't trust you. And especially not after what you just pulled in there. So uh, it is interesting to see as, as considerate quote unquote Batman as being, he always has this tendency to, uh, to rub his teammates the wrong way. At least those that aren't like, you know, completely under his thumb. Yeah, he was Which with the ju- version of Superman that was like an actual Man of Steel. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that was Steel. I think that character's name is Steel. Was his name Steel? Okay, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I've got some vague familiarity with him, but gotcha. Yeah. Okay, and then so, I guess other than you know having those those members disbanded, that kind of puts the league out of the proceedings for a little bit, and it does put Dick Grayson in this position where like you were kind of talking about, he needs a team again. So it's all about him assembling this team. He gets the, uh, he gets the Intel. I'm trying to remember where he gets that Intel from, but he's working with Barbara and he gets, he the raided Intel a that, warehouse. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and he blew it up. Yeah. Cause I remember she was, she was worried that he blew it up without getting it first, encrypting the data first or whatever. Ah, that was so badass like they go in they get their sample he rescues the kids and like as he's talking he just pulls out the bombs and just you know the the typical hero like explosion in the background he's got his new suit and the mask on i was like "Ah, i love nightwing so much yeah yeah it was pretty badass uh so he gets the the intel that the majority of this operation is being headed by someone codenamed bedlam and that it's taking place in a foreign country somewhere in Eastern Europe, Markovia. So we already made the allusions to Sokovia. Markovia feels like a pretty good stand in for Sokovia or vice versa. Uh, How did you feel hearing? um, Actually, yeah, I guess the Markovia Sokovia does make sense. (laughs) Interesting. How did I feel about what? Uh, How did you feel about hearing Oracle instead of Batgirl? Oh yeah, yeah. I immediately picked up on it, so I didn't dwell on it too, too, too long. But I was waiting for her her next on screen appearance, and they did, you know, show her in the wheelchair. So that anybody that's yeah. familiar with the character of Barbara Gordon and her transition to Oracle, she basically, you know, loses the ability to l- use the lower half of her body, and she's ridden to a wheelchair. So she becomes more of like an Overwatch character, uh, providing, you know. Uh, basically the, the logistics and being that person in the chair for whoever's in the field. So uh, that yeah, means this isn't me time, making, this isn't me making a joke on handicap, but she's literally the guy in the chair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, she I is the bet, tech savvy one. She is the contacts that she provides everybody that they communicate through is really cool. I like the way that she chats and like sends emojis and stuff and Dick Grayson's eyes. Um, but yeah, in the story, she actually gets shot by the Joker and actually like hits right. her in the spine, which is why she's paralyzed. Who knows yep. what happens in this two-year gap? Because when they ended the last season, she was in charge with Aqualad. Um, so for something to happen to make Aqualad take the Aquaman role, and then for her to be Oracle, and then again have to take over the team was like, wow, a lot happened in two years. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that basically puts Dick on this quest to recruit the various members of this new team he's assembling. So you get kind of this nice montage where he approaches the various members. You know, uh, I 
forgive me, I'm a little fuzzy on the details here. Normally, I, I have the um, ability to watch these episodes a couple of times through, but I'm, I'm coming in off of uh, one watch through. So I can't remember who he approaches initially, but uh, basically it's, he goes. It's okay. Artemis because that's okay. when we got to see um, Bruce Lee, the dog. And then so you see the oh, photo yeah. of Wally, which of course made yes. everyone tear up a little bit. You're not a human if you didn't. And okay. then they go into the hall and you see now William with his kid and they're all living together. And that was kind of like, the oh my God, like we knew he had a kid, but for him to have the beard and bulked up and yeah, all yeah, that yeah. stuff was like, oh man, that's crazy. And then that, that was like the big thing when Dick came in. It's like, sorry to interrupt. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And then it, it kind of uh, sets up this like kind of recurring gag for the next few recruits that he does so he goes to mcgann and connor our superboy next who we find out you know have a their relationship is as the best it's ever been and they're basically communicating entirely telepathically and i i did have just a little note in the back of my mind i was like i see you animators i see you saving yourself a little bit of uh work there by having these characters communicate telepathically uh but anyway McGann has some uh, slight reservations about Connor going back into the fold, but he re- reassures her that it's just going to be a one-time thing. And then the last recruit is Jefferson Black Lightning. And I, I got to say, I was actually kind of surprised that he showed up on the at the end there because he was pretty adamant. He's like, uh, he's like, we'll wait five minutes for you. And he's like, I won't be there. And even Oracle says, that doesn't sound promising. But <laughs> then he does show up at the last minute. I like the dialogue that he had with his, I guess, ex-wife too. Yes. Where she was like, I married a superhero and I'm the sister of a Green Lantern. I was like, oh, cool. It's Jon Stewart's uh, sister. sister. Yeah. That's, that's a yeah. neat little Easter egg. Yeah, I appreciated that too. Yeah. And he even said, uh, for Dick's, for blah, 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 blah. I know English, I swear. For mm-hmm. Dick Grayson to say, um, I need the man, not the, not the powers. But right, that was a right, cool right. line. Like that shows how much of a skill set that he has outside because I guess he has the MIPS or whatever. And he can't yeah, use yeah. his uh he can't use his actual powers after just you know PTSD from killing the kid. For sure, for sure. And I yeah, I kind of wondered why they chose to focus on the the character of, of Black Lightning and have him be kind of the older adult in the mix there. And I gotta he imagine was popular on CW. <laughs> Well, I'm sure that's a factor in there for sure. They're trying to, you know, build up the brand a little bit and get some, some eyes on him. But I do think another part of it is that the fact that he has, you know, young kids and can actually uh, interact with these younger heroes in in somewhat of a fatherly role. But I do feel bad for Virgil because he's basically just like, I'm sorry, Virgil, you got to find yourself a new mentor. And he goes on to resume fine crime fighting not too long after that. Yeah. Right. But you know what? It's, (laughs) I was thinking while I was watching these episodes, like we saw these characters when they were 14. Now they're probably like 26, 27. Oh, wow. Like McGann's probably like McGann and Calder are probably like 30. Oh, you think so? You say you say that they have the uh, the adult figure for the kids. But in reality, they're not kids anymore. They actually are these like they're they're our age, like doing these things. Uh I feel I feel like thirty is is might be pushing a little. Maybe for Caldor, he might be closer to thirty. But I think yeah, Robin uh, was the youngest at fourteen. Yeah. Then there was a five year Thir- gap. He, thirteen. He was thirteen. 
Okay. Then there was a five year gap. So 18. Yeah. And then a two. And okay. Then, yeah. No, my math is crappy. Excuse me. No, you're good. I'm normally the one that's bad okay. At math, so 22, like, 23. Megan and well, Calder yeah. were about 17, 18. So yeah. And he's they were, like his... in the later range. Yeah. And I'm, I'm assuming he's like in his early to mid 40s. So, I mean, that gives him a good 20 years on pretty much any of them. Anyway, it's not really neither here nor there. Uh, but basically, when we learn that their mission is to go to Markovia, we kind of shift gears and we get a lot of activity in Markovia and we get to learn what's going on in Markovia. And it really sets up this new character, Brion, who is the prince of Markovia. He's basically got this desire uh, to become a metahuman for the behalf of Markovia. His brother is basically the, the crown prince. He's the one that's going to inherit the throne. And, uh, you know, in the middle of all this, I guess there's a Karaki border dispute that's kind of taking place. Do, do you remember more of the context there? It was that uh, the, I don't remember the name of the country, but the Karaki, or I guess Karak. Yeah. Karak had like, uh, like oppression stuff going on. So there was people like trying to find refuge. Okay. And um, Markovia was basically like opening the gates to uh, refugees, which okay. kind of hit with a lot of, you know, current political events as well. I see. Uh, so that was the thing was that there were Markovians who were against this immigration stuff. That's okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. But the but the Karakis were coming in as refugees. That's right. That's right. And then what kind of, you know, causes the entire controversy to hit a fever pitch is the assassination of Brion's mother and father, the king and queen of Markovia. They are taken out by a Karaki metahuman uh, who has speed powers, as I recall. Mm-hmm. but anyway which i feel that, like that scene was actually the first that we got to see of um the lack of rating because oh, okay. there was blood there was a lot yeah. of blood and you yeah. never saw like especially a sword going through like you would just hear the sound you would never see blood in a cartoon network thing true but there true. was blood spew at a moderate level they didn't go crazy with it but there was blood yeah. spewing and the bullets actually went through and then when they walked into the chambers and you see like the blood all over the wall all over the portrait of the king and queen and their bodies right. just hanging there i was like "Ooh, yeah you guys you guys are r now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so with their passing it basically puts uh brion's brother i want to say his name was gregor prince gregor Mm-hmm. Uh, basically puts him in the position to become the king, but he's too young. He's eight. He's 17, excuse me. So he has to wait a year. And in that time, their uncle is going to act as the regent. And they're both distrustful of him, but they want to go different ways about it. And there's this character, uh, Dr. Jace, who is the family physician, who, you know, you see Brion have a few scenes with here and there. And he's basically asking her the, what it's going to take in order to activate his his metagenes concurrently with all this uh artemis and dick have basically split the team into two teams they are infiltrating the like coronation party for gregor uh while the rest of the teams are you know infiltrating the metahuman facility as well as just uh uh actually I feel terrible that I'm I'm so fuzzy on the details here, but uh, I remember, so 
Black Lightning and Superboy are on a team together, but I'm I'm kind of struggling to remember what the other team members were doing. Uh, yeah, you got it. It was Nightwing and Artemis at the uh, coronation, and then at uh-huh. one point, Artemis you know sneaks off to get her bike and her gear. That's when she runs into Halo, and then oh, Dick right, right, was right. Uh, tailing Breon and the Doctor. While okay. Black Lightning and Superboy came in on Sphere and they were accessing the hospital right away, like from whatever access point they found on the hillside. <clears throat> and they were going in to um, find the facility because they got to the morgue and everything and then got through yeah, those doors okay. to the secret testing facility before uh, Dick and Artemis did. Okay, right, right. And then, so, yeah, that's when Superboy and Black Lightning are attacked by another metahuman. And that, and this is one of the most darkest and uh, most tragic parts of the season to me. So we, we already talked about the metahuman that Black Lightning killed at the very beginning of the season. But we find out that his brother, her, excuse me, her brother Otto has been subjected to the same terrible experimentation. And basically they're like these, like, molten plasma beings that walk around but there's always like one of their organs that's pretty well exposed in the case of his sister it was her heart and for him it's his brain but his his attack is pretty successful because black lightning is still not able to use his powers so he basically has to you know jump into the ocean and has a pretty nasty fall I, I, there was a second there i wondered how out of commission he was going to be but then superboy actually gets captured so we kind of end this particular episode with both Brion and Superboy in these these tubes that they fill with the substance that uh, they call tar, which basically is what activates the the metagene within them. And I thought the episode ended in kind of a nice cliffhang- cliffhangery way because Brion is like, get me out of here. But Dr. Jace, whose loyalties have kind of been shifting back and forth they they kind of make you think she could be on either side of thing she really comes across as a villain here she's just like trust me this needs to happen yeah superman when he got picked up and started like screaming like you could actually like feel the pain that the kryptonian Mm. was going through and you know he was Mm -hmm. wearing a mask and everything at that point too so count vertigo comes up to him and it's like well there's only one person i know that could survive plasma of course it's the super boy yeah yeah Hey, you know, one thing I forgot to to bring up in all these proceedings is we did have the return of Count Vertigo, who we, we haven't seen since, I want to say, season one. I'm going to guess season two, but I'm not sure. I'm not confident on that. He might have popped up in season two, but the last time I, I'm confident in having seen him was... In Justice uh, League. Count Vertigo? The like the Injustice League with Joker and Ivy and oh yeah, was that before or after Wally had his whole race to get the the heart to the to the Queen? I don't know. Okay, it, not not too critically important what happened first or second, but the main reason I bring that up is because uh, a character. Well, I'm kind of diverging a little bit from the main proceedings here, but I do want to bring up Beast Boy. He doesn't play an active role in the proceedings, but we do learn a little bit about what's going on with Beast Boy. He's kind of transitioned following in his mother's footsteps. He's kind of like the uh, the face of the superheroes in terms of like being an actor and starring in movies. He's got like this sci-fi series that's going on. But in a celebrity interview, we find out that he's actually dating uh, that young queen or princess that 
Wally saved. That was so sweet. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He was like, yeah, unfortunately we met at one of our friends' funerals. It's like, ooh. Yeah, yeah. The feels, the feels. All the feels. Yeah. All right, well, um, so having ended the last episode on a bit of a cliffhanger, the next episode just kind of opens up with, you know, Superboy and Brion being rescued, but it's a little late for Brion. He has uh, under- undergone the metagene metamorphosis. For lack, of I mean, the perspective of that opening was really cool too, because it was uh, it was Brion in the tank, mm. and you see the tar filling up, and he's panicking and screaming, and the doctor's like right against the glass. Oh, like whoa, that's a way to start an episode. Oh yeah, yeah. There were a couple of times where they did interesting uh, perspective things. I'm thinking of the character halo as well uh when she had some of her basically her trips down memory lane they did some interesting things in terms of the perspective there mm-hmm. but why don't you why don't you take this episode in terms of like what kind of happened and in, in terms of the big swing because basically we kind of just pick up right from there we are in the midst of this kind of operation to take down the meta human facility in in markovia did the Halo stories start on three or two? She was introduced in two. Okay, so I'll, I guess I'll point that out real quick. Is that uh, when Artemis was going to grab her stuff, there was um, some some dudes like burying people that they had killed, and I imagine it was from mm-hmm. the um, from the from the castle or from the fortress that the the king you know killed from because there's some people that they were like smuggling in and killed for whatever reason because it was the same people mm-hmm. who broke in mm-hmm. so they were throwing all the bodies in the grave and then they throw halo in there and she like glows purple and then wakes up so they try burying her alive and artemis sees it she's like what the hell are you doing goes and beats yeah. the living daylights out of them uh gotta get back to how great the fight choreography is in these shows pulls her out so if i was so like, clue pulls her out and it's like all right well i guess we're gonna i'm just gonna take you with me so they find sphere and they don't know where superboy is they track the last location on black lightning and then go and find him wake him up uh dick grayson's you know tracking and talking to barbara through the little bug which is super cute he like goes oh yeah yeah. it's like boo yeah it's like oh i thought you were ready for anything (laughs) um this is where it starts to get a little fuzzy for me. So it's all good. Uh, there are a couple things you brought up that I did want to highlight. The shovel sure. fight, shovel fight was amazing. It made me want to pick up a shovel and start practicing because that was yeah. <laughs> Artemis, Artemis is one of my favorite characters. Period. But I, I will go on record again. Whoever is like the the main head writer. I guess I should look it up. The head writer for this show. I, I just feel like they have such an affinity for the Archer characters because they always give them the best action. Yeah. It was written by they Andrew make Robinson. make the non-superheroes look good. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, so I, I guess the main thing, um, other other than what you brought up in terms of like the rescues that are, are taking place is uh, with Brion's, I guess I'll call him like magma geological powers manifesting it it puts his uncle in a position where he tries to make it look like he tries to blackmail him and look like he was the one that was setting up the the operation and he was the one that voluntarily under underwent this testing and you know in 
17-year-old righteous anger, fury, Brion, as, as he will, has a big fight with his uncle. And I was really glad that they gave Prince Gregor the intelligence there because even with the, the fight as I was watching, I was like, it has to be obvious to anyone that this uncle has had these powers for so much longer than Brion. So yeah, I was really glad that they, they leaned into that. Yeah, because we see how much he's slipping up on using his powers and like constantly falling to the ground and not knowing how to control. And the other dude's just like proficient as hell, uh, especially oh, yeah. like with his uh, moves. And him facing off a of Superboy is really cool too because they're going toe to toe with each other on the boxing. I was like, ooh, I like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was cool. That was cool. And then, uh, so basically, I-, I will bring up the character of Simon X as well. He was kind of. Uh, so where we have Dr. Jace, who we didn't really know where her loyalties lie, we find out that she is, you know, she's a good person. She was just a little bit coerced and maybe her motivations are a little misguided. And I guess they align with Brion's in a sense that she thought making him a metahuman was the last resort. But Simon X is kind of the antithesis to her. He is the doctor that is actively cackling and, and uh, basically, you know, he's the one lining these kids up for slaughter to test on and whatnot, but he's got, um, I didn't expect him to have powers the way they kind of showed him beforehand because he gets taken out by Dick pretty easily with the judo chop to the shoulder. But then after that, he's able to, you know, clone himself and he's, he's giving the heroes quite a bit of trouble, but then I, I got, got, got a good chuckle out of me when he knows Nightwing's right behind him again. And he's like, not again. <laughs> and he's like, again, <laughs> pop. <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah i guess the episode ends with prince gregor being put in kind of a difficult place he knows that it was his uncle but at the same time he cannot condone the actions of his brother currently so he has to exile him temporarily and that kind of gives credence to this whole subtitle outsiders that was where we i started to pick up on i was like okay that's why they're calling it outsiders we've got brion we've got halo who I guess it's it's worth mentioning. She's got like amnesia at this point. She doesn't really know anything about herself, but she has these powers that are manifesting. And she is one of those characters that with her ability to resurrect herself and sustain like grievous injury, they really leaned into the unrated nature and, and showcasing some of that gore. You talked about the blood with the assassination scene, but when her face got basically just pummeled into the ground and, and destroyed. Yeah. And you saw her like exposed, like face. Oh, and she stuff was like that. screaming and everything. I was like, Oh uh, God. Yeah. It was dark. It was really, really dark. <laughs> uh, but I was delighted to see her, her not have been killed off. Um, but yeah, so basically we've got Brion and then we've got Halo. So that's kind of creating this little group of outsiders for our team. And they decide, you know, they'll take them. They'll take them back with them to be a part of the team. Yeah, and uh, Dick's not happy about it either because even who was it that pointed out? Somebody pointed out they were like, "Oh, look at you leading a team again." He was like, "I hate being an adult." It's like, "I yeah. feel you, bud. I feel you." <laughs> that was made me. Yeah. That's what made me click that his first introduction. He was thirteen, and I was like, "Wow, it's been almost ten years since." Yeah. Like, your since like your venture into making this the initial team yep yep yeah good stuff good stuff all around uh the next episode was one of my favorites just because 
the character of Red Arrow was such a such a strong through line, especially in that first season. But he definitely had some choice episodes in season two. And I, I love it when a show can just kind of like poke fun at itself a little bit. So when we get to see all three versions of Roy Harper and, and I'm glad that they've given them different names. So it's a little bit easier to distinguish them. So we've got the original Roy Harper is Arsenal. He's the one that lost his arm because they, they cut it off to clone in the first place. Um, and then next up is the gentleman that's going by Will Harper now. And he was red arrow. He was the one that we were like first introduced to that was the lights mole within the team in season one. And then we've got uh, Jim Harper who was the guardian. And when they suited up there at the end in their, in their super suits again, I, I was kind of like, what happened to, uh, uh, what was his name? Cal from, uh, uh, from season two. I don't know. They showed him at the beginning of the episode. Cause that, like that was a major flashback. thing. That was a major thing in season two. It was him taking up the armor of, of Guardian and becoming the Guardian. But I guess... Was Jim wearing it? At the very end of the episode. So, you know, uh, just to kind of lay out the episode, uh, most of it takes place with these Harper boys and Dick Grayson basically doing a a standard security job for Will Harper's, uh, his company, Bowman Security. <laughs> Dick wants him to help with this new team. So the caveat there is I'll help you if you help me. So they go and it seems like a pretty run of the mill operation. But then that's when I think Arsenal has the line, like this stuff's not going to get robbed or stolen in, in broad daylight. And then of course, <laughs> right after that, we cut to brick and his, his motley crew and we're robbing this stuff in broad daylight. <laughs> I love the way they walk out in uniform, like with the hero music and walking in slow motion, but like, yeah, Arsenal, uh, yeah. Arsenal's like fidgeting with his sleeve and Dick doesn't like the tie. And it was mm. just so funny. <laughs> oh, there were so many funny moments in there. Cause then when they get in the SUV and, uh, Will's like buckle up and Robin's like, Are you enjoying this <laughs> <laughs> clipboard like, doesn't lie. He's like, who he's like, whose idea was it for me to bring all three of you on a team and then in unison yours yours <laughs> <laughs> yeah family yeah. business uh but the episode is basically intercut between this mission and then it also kind of does these flashbacks where we kind of see more of the fallout of what directly happened after markovia uh, in terms of the various characters so we get to spend some time with Dr. Jace. She's having brunch with Jefferson. I, I kind of like the budding romance there. We'll see where that goes. Uh, but then obviously Brion is kind of settling into his own and Superboy has kind of taken him under his wing because they have similar rage issues there. Which began and then, pointed out. Exactly, exactly. And then Artemis has taken Halo under her wing. And I believe it was this episode as well that we got... Um, it wasn't a major part of the episode per se, but it was for me. In, that's my girl. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's a major part of the show. <laughs> exactly. So I'll let you take, I'll let you take it from here. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Artemis was taking Halo out to the park. Uh, she was trying to control her flight because she kept like randomly doing, she's like, yep, that's not normal. Need you to walk. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to like, you know, bring some memory back and this and that. She was asking like why they were here. So you go yeah. up in the tree and you see them interact with Nomu, like, Hey, Dr. Fate. And he asked, like, where is she? It's like, oh, she's she'll be here any second. But I have a question for you. And 
that was the lead in for because you, you'll wonder like why would artemis like randomly be hanging out with dr fate so they kind of need some context to put it there but it was a great nod to like past story mm-hmm. but that's when dr fate looks at halo and says like oh there's an old soul in here and there's kind of a lot of stuff going on so he was he was pretty confused himself uh but that's when zatanna comes in and they have their deal that she can see her father zatara for an hour once a year yeah. So he was like, you know the rules of our arrangement. She was like, one hour for a year, just like last year, year before, year before. Right. So, you know, you see that, you know, it's she's taller. She's wearing like a nice dress and everything to hang out with her dad in the park. Mm-hmm. And when he takes the helmet off, like Zatara's there, but he has like a big beard. He's gray. And he's like, yep. you can see the bags under his eyes. He's so tired. Like, Nomu's really just wearing him out and Zatanna notices that and just puts this she just can't stand it and mm. you know they have their moment for an hour and come back and uh man this, this one's hitting me Artemis and Halo are having their conversation about like feelings and why they do what they do and you know like what it means to be hero and stuff like that mm-hmm. so when um she was like, what are, what are we here for? She's like, oh, we're not here for this part, seeing Satana come in for her dad. Right. Um, and then, you know, time is up and everything, and Dr. Fate puts the helmet back on. He's just like, peace! Like, not considerate at all. It's like, I have to right. go be a great sorcerer again. Right. Flies off, and then that's when Artemis pulls the line of, like, this is the part that we're here for, and Satana yeah. loses it, and she goes over and, like, puts her arm. Because she was there for that whole thing, too, so... Yeah. We yeah. don't see them in scenes too often, but because Satana was busy with the Justice League while everybody else was doing their own thing, but this is a strong bond that they developed in the end of that mm. first season, and yeah. it's something that's really, really carried on, and that, that bond is beautiful, but it's so heartbreaking oh, yeah. that, like, we still have to see the ramifications of like things that happened in the first season. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad you bring that up because it stuck out to me too. And it's just a, a powerful moment. Yeah. And it makes me think back to season one, that episode where they basically went up against harm and you really see that relationship, even though we haven't got to spend, you know, a ton of time with them individually, you just see how strong that relationship is. And I will say it, it speaks a lot to the strength of the character of Artemis because don't get me wrong. Like, I, 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 I'm struggling to, to say exactly how I want to say this, but she lost Wally, which was, you know, an incredible loss to suffer. But so she can relate to Zant, Zatanna in that way. But it's I don't I don't know almost what's worse. It's like seeing your loved one and knowing that they're there and getting to see them once a year. But it's like, you know, that they're alive and, you know, they're within arm's reach, but then not like it not really being them. I guess it's it's almost like kind of an allegory to like maybe like a. a a cognitive disease or something like that. There's just kind of changes who the person is, yeah. but uh, it's just a really tough thing to go through. And I, I just thought Artemis being a strong character and, and being that rock for her uh, really, really stuck out to me. The other thing um, is as big as the emotional swings, swings were there. One of the things that stuck out to me about that particular scene, it taking place in a, in a park is there were a lot of trees overhead. And I really appreciated from an animation standpoint they started you, normally when we see the characters, they have like their highlights and then their their shadows. And there's there's not any midtones in between, but they actually did a really nice job trying to get some soft shadows and like natural lighting coming through the canopy. So I, I always love to see stuff like that. And it, it really I noticed it in that particular scene. 
Yeah, even when they were like under the big tree in the beginning of their interactions, like you can actually see like the ripples like between the leaves and whatnot. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, yeah. So it was it was kind of an interesting episode in that regard. We get you know the big mission with um, Nightwing and the and the Harpers, but then as I kind of alluded to, the rest of it is a little bit of catch up. It's like where are these characters at, um, given the fallout of of Markovia. And then uh, from there, the next episode, I don't feel like we need to spend a ton of time on because it's a little bit, I guess it's not too removed because it, it very much does tie back into the fact that we've got, you know, metahuman kids being deployed on other planets and other worlds to wreak havoc. But this is the episode that kind of sets us up for our last, at least at this point in time, our last of this little group of outsiders. And uh, this all primarily takes place on the planet of New Genesis. So we get the return of one of the forever people and one of the new gods who I remember you liked quite a bit, Bear. Yeah, Patrick. Bear comes asking for help. Yeah, he comes asking for help. He's super excited to see Sphere. I love how he was excited to see Wolf, but Wolf is just like tired and nappy. It's like, is that all he does? It's like, yeah, these days that is like all oh, puppies getting old. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he he talks to Connor about how he broke up with his girl from the first season. Don't expect me to remember her name, please. Um, and then <laughs> he asked Superboy for help, but Superboy is busy with Nightwing's mission and having to. Uh, look after Breon that McGann was like well I guess I'll help you out by helping him out so she goes on the mission instead which yeah. is pretty helpful because it turns out that the new gods were being impersonated by her younger brother who is a white yeah. person yeah. and we've been hinted that she has like a hundred siblings or whatnot, but I guess that she's really close with this one because she caught that essence right away and they had to have like the little mental face off to be like, you can't do this, but it, it built a really bad relationship with the hive mm-hmm. uh, because there were like new gods, old gods, like all of you guys are just like oppressing us and abusing us and this and that. Like, we don't want any of you just get out of our planet. Um, It wasn't, it wasn't my favorite episode, but it was, a strong one in regards to like the, the amount of stuff that this team has to deal with. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. It, like, that's kind of why I made the little caveat there. It felt a little more uh, removed from the rest of the proceedings, but there definitely were some through lines that tied back in and, and kind of, as I alluded to, in addition, you know, getting to see uh, the, the tomorrow people, or I can't remember if it's the tomorrow or the, for, it's, I think it's the forever people, but may, it might be the tomorrow people. But anyway, the folks from New Genesis, uh, even just one of them again. But I, I like seeing that alien, that bug species. That was um, one that I didn't have a lot of, uh, I actually didn't have any knowledge about. And it's kind of interesting that, uh, I guess we don't find this out until maybe the next episode, as I'm recalling. But Halo, aka Violet, as she's starting to call herself, she has this just ingrained knowledge about the bug species and their relationship with the, the new gods on new, new Genesis. And I think she even knows like she's able to call out Supertown by name and whatnot. So we start to get the seeds that she is a, is a new God. And I can't remember who's observing her on the monitors. Uh, 
that makes that that assumption. Do you recall? I actually don't. So I uh, so it must have been when they were in prison. I think it had to be. I think it was Rachel Ghoul, or maybe Ra- Maybe it was Roz, or maybe the Sensei, somebody that was observing them in the prison cell. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. When I mean, we're we're skipping ahead a little bit. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. In the prison cell. Uh, they witness her come back to life for the yeah, third yeah. time. God, this good girl dies a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that one, even even when the neck got snapped, it still like disturbed me a little bit. But I was like, okay, yeah. at least I know she's coming back now. <laughs> yeah, I just grabbed her. It's like, all right, fine. Oh, I flipped it around entirely. It's always a gruesome death with her. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. But as you mentioned, as I've had a habit of doing this uh, this episode for some reason, I did get ahead of myself. So what even puts us on, uh, I believe it's Infinity Island, which is yes. where the, the League of Shadows has their operations. Yeah. The main reason we even go there in the first place is because uh, Brion believes his sister might be there. And the main motivating factor of that is we had an opening sequence where Brown or uh, is it Black Spider? Yeah. Black I like Spider. Him. Yeah, yeah. You I think you had mentioned in like season one or two I think it was season one that he popped up, how he was basically just Spider Man. But he didn't get a lot of opportunities to showcase that off outside of his like just his skill set and powers. And this one very much so. I think he even makes mention is like, is it my quips? Do I need to change my quips? What's going on? So <laughs> I but it's funny because with like Peter Parter, like it actually is like quippy, but with him it's like he's yeah. just an asshole. <laughs> Because he's clearly an assassin, so he's just like threatening people's lives in the most funny way possible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but basically, the the person that he's tailing meets their demise when a giant rock gets dropped on his head, and that's when Black Spider looks up to a shadowed female figure that obviously was the one that dropped it. And based on the fact that pretty much everybody that's a member of Brion's family, their metagenes manifest some sort of like geological manipulation abilities they're pretty confident that this is probably his sister and in very much keeping with the young characters of the show when an older more experienced hero tells you not to do something <laughs> you you go and do it anyway so we get our, our new little ragtag team we get brion violet aka halo and i guess i should i should have mentioned his name before but forager was the bug from New Genesis that basically got yeah. exiled from his hive at the end of that episode. And uh, and actually, it was uh, McGann's brother like basically gave him a death threat. He's like, if I ever see you again, you're, you're done. So, Hey, did you ever watch the original Teen Titans? Oh, yeah. I, I never sat down and watched it from beginning to end, but I watched it all the time when it was on TV. So does Terra ring a bell to you? Terra? Yeah. No. You don't remember Terra from? Was that the first Titans? name of like? Was that the first name of uh, Starbright, Starfire, or something? Mm-mm. It was the girl with the blonde hair that manipulated rocks. We're talking about Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't remember that particular character. Okay, that was a huge storyline in the show, so I'm not going to say too much. But okay, her name okay. in Teen Titans was Terra. And okay. Brion, because they're from a, a Eastern European country, calls her Tara. Oh, okay. But Interesting. it's essentially the same character, which leads to like 
other character traits, which I won't say too much if you don't actually remember. But to all the listeners out there, uh, if you watch Teen Titans, then yeah, it's the same Tara. Tara. Okay, okay. Well, I've been on record saying, you know, I do have a, a pretty decent familiarity with a lot of DC comics and just comics in general, but that's one thing I've, I've really liked about this show is it really has introduced me to a lot of characters that a lot of them I've never even heard of and other ones I've yeah. just heard about in passing. So I'll be really curious to kind of do some research after the fact to see who all these, all these various characters are. Cause I have to imagine every single person in the, you know, the Markov Royal family are probably real characters. And then even like Simon X, who I, I mentioned before, it'll be, it'll just be fun to go see what kind of references they're making as far as all that goes. But. Yeah, that was one of the ones where it's like they said that her name was Tara a bunch of times, but it didn't click to me until The Rock came okay. down. And I was like, wait a minute. Oh, oh. And then my friend confirmed it for me. And I was like, holy crap. Like, they're doing a different spin on her. But it's kind of the same thing. I'm very interested to see where they go with this. Okay. All right. Yeah, we'll be keeping an eye on that. But we don't really... Uh, I'm trying to remember where what uh the resolution of that episode is because obviously uh they went in onto infinity island without permission and it seems like things are not going their way initially they they actually get captured by raz or rachel ghoul what have you sensei and sensei correct and then they have to be rescued um who's who's all on that rescue effort well, first Nightwing. off, Sensei had two people with him. It was oh yeah, the ninja and who was the other person? I'm drawing a blank. Hmm. Did he shoot needles? Is that what it was? Ah. I oh, just remember that Sphere and uh, Forager had a really cool scene where both of them were like using rollout and like hit like sandwiched him. I was like, oh, that's gonna hurt. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Let's. Oh uh, man, I can't remember who it was, but. Sensei was doing a great job of kicking everyone's ass before, and then uh, he had a little backup come in because it was the team that you said. And then the rescue team was Artemis, Dick Grayson, Superboy, and Megan. Because okay, they were okay. all at the house, like, talking about, like, what to do with them. And they looked out, they were like, where did he go? Oh, and then okay. they asked and then, Wolf, yeah. like, where were they? And he just goes back to sleep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just to backpedal a little bit, the so yeah, we had the red hooded ninja, and then the other character was actually Ubu, who we saw in season two. He was the one that uh, ran away with Rayshaw Ghoul's impaled body. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's a loyal man. They all are. That he is. I I, I think the uh, the League of Shadows uh, tends to instill some loyalty. <laughs> yeah, good for them. Oh, I, I did love that scene where Artemis was uh, grilling him, grilling Rachel Ghoul about who the new head of the league was. He's like, it's not my dad, is it? It's like, is no. it my sister? Get out of Go here. away. <laughs> I, I like Rachel Ghoul. I kind of wish they showed them a little more. Um, yeah. It's like, it's like, this is class and his demeanor. Like, when the other four trespass. Uh, they come in, you know, the fights start breaking out and this and that. Sensei's dealing with it with the other two. We get to see Nightwing face off with their red hooded figure. Um, 
God, I can't believe they actually showed that. That was so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Another cool face-off with some familiarity. Uh, there's yep, a lot of cool... Yep. I mean, you know me, I like the hand-to-hand stuff, especially the weapon oh, yeah. stuff, and we got to see a lot of that with Dick and Artemis. They've just been owning the fight scenes. And mm-hmm. I like that they've been showing more of the humans fight and less of the, the super people. Right, right. Uh, yeah. So it was cool seeing them like kick ass and then Ra's al Ghul with his class just walks in. He's like, all right, that's enough. Yeah. Everyone just stops. And then when Brion was accusing him of lying because he said like, yeah, I don't run the light anymore. That's what it else was. Is like, oh, yeah, so hard to believe. And Dick has a world of respect for Ra's apparently because he was like, Ra's al Ghul is a lot of things, but a liar is not one of them. Right, right. So it's like the fact that they could cease everything in somebody in the Bat family to have like a civil conversation with Ra's al Ghul like says a lot about that storyline. Yeah. Yeah, so that's where we get the... Yeah. The reason uh, Dick brings up the fact that he's not a liar is that he, uh, he says not only is he not the head of the shadows or a member of the light, but that he doesn't have the sister. I don't think he explicitly says that the League doesn't have the sister but he says that he doesn't have his sister tara so they kind of have to just you know unless we want this to continue to be more of a bloodbath we all just kind of have to go our separate way which i guess in the great scheme of things um is not a terrible resolution i wouldn't call it a complete success but it does set up a very similar scene there where nightwing is the one acting in the batman role where he's admonishing these young heroes about, you know, acting out, but it really does set them to have that, like the same kind of response too. It's like, we don't want to be a part of your team. We want to be our team. And even Ravager, it's like, he kind of drives it home there. He's like Halo and Brion are kind of like my new hive now. Oh, Forager. I was like, who's Ravager? Oh, excuse me. Forager. Yeah. Not Ravager. Sorry. I get my Avagers, uh, (laughs) confused here. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, and, that, and it seems like that's exactly what Nightwing wanted to hear. So, yeah, that's what I think that was when he dropped the line of like, uh, "I hate being an adult." Yeah, <laughs> and then this being my favorite episode wraps up in the coolest way, where you see Ra's al Ghul talking to the the hooded figure, and he just goes, "Gray son," like, "Ah, oh, you're yeah. starting to remember." Yep. Yep. Like, oh, yeah. it's a great moment and uh i kind of wish i had like less exposure to dc for that reason so that that one would pay off more but i feel like anybody that you know has been paying attention to dc for any amount of time they know who that character is but i won't i won't come out and say it i'll wait for the the show to reveal just in case there's anybody anybody that's listening that doesn't know who it is i'll keep my mouth shut then (laughs) well they might be subverting expectations they might be making making me think one thing and then they'll zag the other way i wouldn't be surprised it wouldn't be the first time the show's done it but then Um, they step it up even further and talia ghoul comes out with a baby in her hands and i was like (laughs) oh yeah it was talia wasn't it i forgot about Uh uh-huh oh you know that that means oh i know exactly what that means okay cool (laughs) yeah yeah good stuff that's exciting yeah man as much as I love what this show does, like I need so many spinoff shows off of it. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. Well, I mean, it's like, even like, so we did get like little interactions with characters like kid flash and we got to see blue beetle and, and even like static shock was in the background for stuff like that. But you're right. It is like, 
and I, I talked about it at the beginning, like the show does introduce you to these characters and dears you to these characters, but then it, it kind of pushes them to the side and focuses on new characters. But yeah, I, w- I would love to spend more time with every single one of them. And it was nice to, to get those little moments with kid flash and blue beetle and even wonder girl. Uh, but we, uh, what episode was it that we got the introduction of that new, um, magic powered girl whose name did not I think stick that was her introduction. Okay. Uh, well, that was the episode on the alien planet on Rain. Yeah, or on, uh, uh, Zatanna is apparently her teacher. That's right. That's right. I wish I remembered her name. Let me go back to that episode. Oh, Tracy Thurston, 13. Yeah, because she had the 13 on her shoulder. I won't read too far ahead on this wiki, wiki but I guess she's Jaime's girlfriend is the one thing I read. Yeah, I... We're we're trying to we're starting to line back up on our awareness of the series because I've only seen all of it once and that was when it came out two years ago so my okay. memory's kind of shaky um, yeah so yeah we're we're going back into like both of us being shocked about things okay yeah but I was just wondering what was going on with that character I was like she kind of looks like she's in a stealth suit or something like that but then yeah she just kind of had the throwaway line about her magic influencing something on the ship. She is a witch. Yeah, yeah. And then on the subject of the ship, uh, I d- I almost forgot to kind of bring it up, but uh, Forager when he when he like solidified his position with this new team, he he actually brought up Bioship too, and he was like, especially Bioship, and he kind of like rubbed it. And I was like, is this gonna be a weird relationship? Because <laughs> <laughs> he was like, how do you know Bioship's a girl? I was like, isn't it obvious? <laughs> The same dialogue comes up for Halo and Sphere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, then on the subject of um, budding romances, I guess, I kind of I talked about uh, Jefferson and Dr. Jace there, but then the, the big one for me, we talked about Oracle a little bit, but we get Dick and Barbara having like legitimate like romantic scenes together. And it was really cute. Like, I can't remember exactly what she said, but they were talking about something and she's like, yeah, but how about you come in here for a kiss or something like that? And I was like, this is freaking adorable right now. Like they're such a good little couple. So yeah, as much as I liked him and Zatanna, this was, this was really gratifying to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what Batman thinks about that, but uh, he's not. I wonder what uh, Commissioner Gordon thinks about it. That too. Fair point. Fair point. We actually haven't seen Commissioner Gordon in this uh, in this Young mm-hmm. Justice world, so I wonder if he's uh, going to pop up at some point or another. But you know, he's had a lot of uh, adaptations over the years. That's one of the things that I've already talked about that I appreciate this show is getting to see ones that I've not been exposed to. So, yeah, Commissioner Gordon, you can take a back seat for this one. It's fine. Yeah, you're good. You're good. No, I, th- I think I have uh, addressed just about everything that I wanted to cover on these first six episodes here. I th- think I did a really good job of uh, setting up the narrative going forward. Like I said, by the end of these six episodes, I really got a feel for why they're calling it Outsiders. Mm-hmm. But it could t- totally be a double entendre as well. Maybe outsiders mean something else. Cause I'm still, I, I guess the DNA strand that's coming out in the front, that's relating to the, the meta human stuff that's going on. But I, I, we know apocalypse is a big thing too. We've, there were a couple of times I, even with the league of shadows, like a couple of those members, I think it was Ubu. Yeah. Ubu had the apocalypse 
technology and that makes me scratch my head a little bit as much as like Razal Ghul is not a liar and he's not in the light how did he get his hands on apocalyptic technology but that's what the next 20 episodes are for I suppose a couple little well I guess one little hint um we we saw a lot of mother and father box stuff in here so we saw that the I was trying to remember who the Justice League was fighting in the very first scene and it was like like apocalypse creatures, right? It was the metahumans on Rand. Uh, there was more than that. Like a, yeah, there, there was were, a couple yeah, the, of metahumans, but that wasn't primarily who they were fighting. Yeah, it was. Uh, they were soldiers decked out in apocalyptic technology. So I, it's probably okay. a safe assumption that they were apocalyptans, but I don't know for certain. They had okay. apocalypse. So yeah, in that fight, they were doing a lot of um, father box stuff, and then when when Connor infiltrated the secret lab, like he found a mother box that was ripped apart and was like super mad. He was like, no, this is oh, technology. Like it's alive. Yeah. They killed him. Yeah. I was like, Ooh, that's, that's yeah, a lot. That was rough. It did it hit me in the feels there too. And then uh, the other thing with the mother box or the father box, I guess is when, Oh no, I see. Uh, that's what's making me think about it is because it's capable of translation. Bear uses it to, to speak the, the language on earth but then mcgann uses her powers to basically make forager be able to communicate with everybody but then that's when you get that kind of nice joke it's like i guess it doesn't work on pronouns and it's like they have a very strong sense of self okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting dialogue like i know what they're going at with it but it's interesting they're trying to like justify it too <laughs> <laughs> yeah agreed agreed uh the last thing that i thought was really cool was that uh halo's powers come as a spectrum but they're actually like coming Mm. out in the proper order of the colors so it starts off as purple or violet which is her self-healing or Mm self-resuscitating i guess and then red was the next one which was the shield orange is what gives her flight and then yellow is what gives her the lasers but it's actually coming out like in the order of a spectrum which i thought was pretty neat i did not pick up on that at all i noticed that it was like unique colors to different power sets which made me Obviously, this came out first, and it's become a reoccurring thing that uh, Young Justice did it first. But obviously, it kind of reminded me a little bit of the character Monica Rambeau in WandaVision in terms of mm. like, the little bit of her powers that we've got to see seem to be focused similarly on, on the color spectrum there. But yeah, I think I remember she... what blue does, but I can't remember green. Hmm. Well, it'll be interesting to see. She definitely seems like she's going to be a major character. And then I, I guess it's worth mentioning that like they did find out what her earth identity was. I guess her name is Gabrielle. I can't remember her last name, but when this information is presented to her, that's when we get those flashbacks that I kind of alluded to where you see her in the morgue and stuff like that. And it's all from her perspective. Uh, But even with this information, she says, no, I'm violet. And uh, I, when I, when I was talking about budding romances, I guess I didn't really mention, it seems like, she and uh, Brion, it do, it seems like it's not being as reciprocated by Brion yet. He was definitely very yeah. moved when she was killed, but she even like compliments him on being uh, nicely shaped, if you will. <laughs> when he burned his clothes off. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a that reminds me. Who was that guy whose house they were at with the beard who was worried about his trees? His name was Luke, but who is he? I or don't Lucas? remember. I was wondering okay. that. 
I think the first time I watched it too, I was like, who is this dude? Did you say Lucas? I'm looking on the, let me see. Lucas Carr? Lucas Carr? That sounds right. Oh, so he's Snapper Carr. He must be related to Snapper Carr then. He's the principal of Happy Harbor High School. He was familiar hmm. with Mount Justice. Was he the dude, like, who... Remember that, that Flash episode? Uh-huh. With all three Flashes, and they had to stop the dude who was, like... Oh, uh, that was that was uh, Neutron. That was Newt. Um. Hmm. Carr attended the school's Halloween party wearing his normal attire with an added eye patch as a costume. So he was at the high school with McGann and Connor. Okay. Wow, they're just high school buddies. Okay. Yeah, it says he broke up what could have become a fight between Connor Kent and Mal Duncan. Oh, so when I said Cal early on, I meant Mal. He was mm. he was the uh the gentleman that dated uh Bumblebee and, and used to yeah. or temporarily don the uh the guardian armor. Yeah, right, I, I guess this. he's just Oh god. When the Reach's magnetic field disruptors threatened Earth with destruction, Snapper Carr was pressed into service by the Justice League. He assisted in evacuating a school bus imperiled by natural disasters triggered by the MFDs. After the heroes agreed on a course of action, Snapper served as mission's coordinator. From his post on the Watchtower, he coordinated operations as 40 heroes divided into 20 squads, simultaneously destroyed 20 MFDs scattered around the globe. The operation okay. went smoothly, which led Carr to gleefully express his jubilation at the success. However... The heroes missed the MFD site and discovered his presence blatantly when condition on Earth failed to improve. Only through the timely innervation of the Flash and Impulse uh, was the disaster averted. So he was, he just went to high school with them. He has no powers or anything, but he like works for the league. and He's like the smart Okay. Guy. So I, I guess, uh, I guess Snapper Carr, his first name is Lucas. And uh, people that are more familiar with DC, Snapper Carr is, is a pretty prominent character he was often um where perry white was kind of the head of the of the daily planet is that right daily planet i'm getting the daily planet the daily daily bugle confused there for a second yeah the daily planet (laughs) he was the one that uh clark kent kind of reported to directly in terms of being an editor and yeah he's had a a long-standing history with the justice league a lot of times he is kind of on the inside and acts as a bit of a liaison for them, sometimes a little <laughs> more cantankerous, but uh, it's nice to see this version of him. I, I didn't know who he was until we looked it up, so interesting way to just kind of sneak him into the background. Yeah, right. All right. Uh, did you have anything else you want to say about these six episodes of Young Justice Season 3, Outsiders? I think I'm good. Um yeah, I kind of remember things in snippets from here, but this is this is going to be a big refresher for me on the next three coverages that we do. Cool, cool. Well, everybody out there that's listening, it's uh, good to have you along for this ride. Make sure you're you're watching these episodes along with us and let us know what you're thinking. Send us some feedback. We are a part of the Stranded Panda Network, so you can tag either one of us in the Stranded Panda chat. That's facebook.com slash spchat. And then uh, I will just take an opportunity to plug uh, some of the things that I have going on. I did just appear on some Avengers Assemble coverage for uh, the 2016 version of Suicide Squad, and we just recorded our episode for Birds of Prey. All that in preparation for the James Gunn version of the Suicide Squad. 
uh, which drops in a couple days at the time of this recording. So keep your ears out for that. And then on the other side of things, I, I do have an Instagram. It's uh, J Scotty for real. That's J S C O T T Y number four R E E L R E E L. Excuse me. And uh, yeah, I've just kind of had a, a renewed interest there. I've been uh, definitely brushing up on the Photoshop skills and whatnot. So give me a follow there. See what I got going on there. Zuhair. And also, Jay Scotty and I have actually managed to line up our schedules with Matthew Fox on the Star Wars Universe podcast. So there's a couple episodes where both of us got to speak. Uh, the last one that I was on was probably my favorite episode of the show so far. So a lot of exciting mm-hmm. chat there. We got mm-hmm. as of this recording, there's two episodes left of Bad Bash. Hopefully, we can both get our schedules to match up for at least one of those. Um, mm-hmm. But check out our voices over there if you haven't gotten enough of it here. And if you are not part of that Facebook group, make sure you send us an email to animation delib. No, animation deliberation podcast at gmail.com. Yes, sir. Thanks for tuning in, folks. That's T O N I N, and keep tuning in. Stay whelmed. Boom. Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandedpanda.com or join the great community that is the Stranded Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. When it's time to give a truly special gift to that special someone in your life, why not turn to a jeweler you can trust? Solomon Brothers Jewelers is a family-owned business that's earned Atlanta's trust for decades with high quality, low prices, and the largest selection. Solomon Brothers has thousands of wedding bands, engagement rings, and loose diamonds in stock. Shop Solomon Brothers online at SolomonBrothers.com, SolomonBrothers.com, or stop by stores with locations in Buckhead or Alpharetta and experience the best. When you're at Walt Disney World Resort for the world's most magical celebration, every moment is amazing and the memories last a lifetime. Because when you celebrate with us, nothing could be more magical. Stay near the magic. Book your theme park tickets and get hotel rates from $94 per night plus tax at DisneySpringsHotels.com slash 50. Rates based on availability. Blockout dates may apply. See website for details. When it's time for an adventure on the open highway, one quick call to American Family Insurance gets you headed in the right direction. Our travel peace of mind package is there if you encounter a bump in the road. From roadside assistance to rental car coverage, we have you covered. Find a local agent or get a quote at amfam.com. American Family Insurance. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, SI, and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Drew and Jonathan Scott here to tell you that American Family Insurance wants to protect your dreams. So whether you're at home singing in the shower, every note, or prefer singing your heart out in the car like Drew, Cruise. 
losing. You can save up to 23% when you bundle your home and auto insurance with American Family Insurance. Get a quote or find an agent at AmFam.com. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.